righty. Now, I heard all these words. And I think the theme was this, one of the themes. Stop trying to figure it all out. You're not God, like my uh, philosophy teacher. I'm not God, and I'm happy with that. I am not God, and I'm very pleased with that. So don't figure it out because it causes stress. It causes everyone shaking their head. You might as well be thinking too much. Stop thinking so much, as my coach would say. Don't try to figure it out. God has you right where he wants you, and he loves you, and he knows the best for you. In Romans 8, 28, you know, it works good for those who are called by him for his, whose purposes? So if it's his purpose, he'll reveal it to you because he shows you the whole plan. We talked about this on on Sunday morning. If God shows you the end of the road that he has for each and every one of you, he would look at it and say, I'm not going there. I'm out of here because that guy, who's that guy? Who is that lady? That's you. But to get you there, he has to change you. And changing hurts, doesn't it? Molding hurts. As my wife told me Sunday morning, she said this. She just thinks that God is a, um, as you, I know guys who can whittle wood. And I, I told her about a guy we knew about in survival school. He used to help us get through the woods. And all he did was sit all night and just make things from a stick. And just take his knife and cut and cut. And I'm thinking, cutting hurts. But he made such a beautiful sculpture when he was done. And he'd just sit there and make things out of nothing. Out of nothing. He'll just make stuff the whole week we were there. Well, that's just God doing us. He's making something out of us. He makes, that's what he's going to make us fishers of men. So you go into that business, he's going to make you something. And we know when he's making something, you cut off, he cuts something off, you think, hey, I needed that. And you find, I really didn't need that. And cutting hurts, doesn't it? Man, that hurts. But at the end of it, man, how awesome you're looking. And how what God's plan is getting coming to pass. And that's what it's about. But in the moment, he doesn't want you trying to figure it all out. Because let me tell you, it'll wear you out. If you have hair, you won't have any hair trying to figure God out. He'll make sure you lose your hair. And you won't have any good time because you're looking to the next thing. You won't recognize and enjoy the now. Because things move so quick, don't they? So quick. If I turn and I blink, Lindsay's child will be 16 years old before I know it. And she'll be saying, they want to drive? She wants to drive? He, you know, <laughs> wait a minute, I just remember you were doing all this. You know what I mean? Never remember this. So if we blink <laughs> and we're looking to the next thing, we miss the greatest point of life, which is a now thing. Because you already got the future taken care of. Enjoy your moments in life. Amen? As all the older folks, enjoy your moment. Don't grow up too fast trying to be older. I talked to a young person that day. I said, how's spring break? I got to work now. I said, why'd you get out of college? <laughs> I wanted to grow up. Well, go back home and go back to school. <laughs> then you have spring break. Anyway, well, don't tell it to your parents. They might get upset. They were expecting you being gone. So, But I want to encourage you. Enjoy the now moments with God. Enjoy the moments. They're the greatest things in the world. Give you a scripture real quick. We're going to finish up uh, 
not finished yet. We're still in the weapon and his warriors. We've been talking about the life of victory. And the last few weeks, I talked about the armor of God and how we can have to put that on. And uh, the next step on that, because you notice everything when we talked about the armor, everything's in the front of you. But you're wondering what's behind you, what's protecting you behind you. Well, really, if you're in the soldiers, your soldiers in the Lord's army, the other person, the other fighting man, a woman is standing next to you. When the Romans went out to fight and they got up in line and rank, be one here, one here, one here, one here, and one here. And the most important one is the one who got your back. Who has your back? And what we call in the kingdom of God is one of the protections from the enemy is genuine relationships. Let me tell you how important a relationship is. Some of you came in here with a lot of needs, come in here with a lot of things on your plate, a lot of things on your mind. And then God spoke to some people that encouraged you, that comforted you. In fact, built some faith. And it happened in the community of believers. That's what's so important about relationships. That which is isolated in your issues, you'll go down. Now, I'm going to take a few minutes and tell you about how important relationships are. Now, we would think this is easy, but this is one of the hardest things because we don't like to be in relationships. We don't like to be close to people. How can I tell? Well, I, how, I think there's a, I think there's 110 seats here. Look how far apart we all sit from one another. <laughs> right? And when we close off the rows, some people still move up in the rows. I'm sitting over here. I'm not sitting next to them. Now, if you're from New York and you're in the subway, you'll never get in the train because you got to learn to stand like this, next to people. And we like our space. And we love God and we say we love people, but we really don't like people. But there's no other way that God builds except the relationship and how that can protect you. Let's go talk about reason why I'm talking about relationships. I'll give you the why first. Go to 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And we know these things because lions look for those who have strayed from the herd and who are isolated. That's what lions look for. I was able to watch the animal planet challenge yesterday with the wildebeest and how they had to trek over the surrogating all over thousands of miles. Whenever they ran out of food, they had to take this long trip across and to get to where there's fresh food and grass and the dangers that were out there. If it wasn't the cheetahs, it was the lions. But the most important was the lioness. Lioness are bad. And they would wait and they're looking for the one that's outside the pack. And they are very patient. They follow and follow and follow and wait for one to just stray off. And then they do this circle move. So when they stray, they can't, no one can help them. And when they see the moment, when they get within 100 feet, they charge. And it's a team effort. And it's a noticing when they're charging, 
Everyone else, the herd takes off, but that straggler, the one that decided to leave out of the herd, gets caught. It can be an adult, it could be a child, and they take it down. In the kingdom of God, when you're isolated, Remember we talked about earlier, one of his plans of the, of the devil, adversary, is to isolate you so he can pick you off. And all they do is grab him by the neck and choke him out, choke the life out of him, choke the faith out of him, choke all life, everything out of him. Why? Because they left the protection. Because together, they couldn't touch him. Apart, they can wear them out. And that's what God created, the lions that do that. It says, like a roaring lion who's hungry, looking to devour somebody. And you know something? And you can be the smartest person in the planet and get picked off. Because it isn't about sense, it's about being watchful and recognizing what's going on in your life. And anyway, whenever you're going through something, what God says is when you're going through something or if you're sick, Come and get healed. Don't stay home. If the car blows up, get a ride so you can be encouraged and get find help. Because the more you're isolated, the more your mind starts to roll. The more it starts to grab hold of you. And you start thinking things that you shouldn't be thinking. But that's what he does. He spends that, they spend that time with looking and waiting. Looking and waiting. That's why we have to be watchful and looking and keep an eye on it because he wants you to stray off. He wants you to get offended at your brother and take off. He hopes you do that. He hopes you cause you have strife with your wife or your husband and you stray off. He hopes you do that. Because once you're all by yourself, then they can get a hold of you. Make sense? Now, there is. Now, let me give you this bullet here. Isolation is not resolved by church membership only. <laughs> Anybody say amen? It's not, I mean, get you in the members of church to get you started, really. But that's not going to solve your isolation problem. That'll give you a Sunday moment, maybe a Wednesday moment, but to get in line with some people, relationship, relationally, that's when it starts. Because if you notice, Sunday and Wednesday is one-sided. We're talking, you're listening. But when you get relationships, back and forth, back and forth, getting encouraged. Amen? Now, this is something that a great man wrote in the book of Ecclesiastics. This is one of my favorite books. I know you guys spend a lot of days in Ecclesiastics. That is, uh, Solomon wrote that book, and that's one of your favorite books, Go with Habakkuk, isn't it? So let's go to Ecclesiastic uh, chapter 4. <laughs> Let me hear some pages now. Don't tell me. Only one person's turning the Bible. My Bible's open. <laughs> and if we don't get done with this, we'll pick it up next week. Amen. Tell me when you say, when you get there, say amen. I only have the room said amen, so... Oh, me. Yeah, my. I love people. Yeah, you do, don't you? <laughs> this is one of the hardest things. Chapter 4, verse 8. This is um, 
Solomon recognizing some things, but a man full of money, but nobody to share it with. And he said, verse 7, and I saw vanity under the sun. One person who had no other, that is a bad place to be. Have one person with no other. Either son or brother, yet there was no end to his toil. His eyes were never satisfied with riches, so he, that he never asked, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Being alone is unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a great reward, good reward for their toil. For if if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls, he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can you keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, Two will withstand him. A three-fourth cord is not easily broken. And he's talking about the the, um, the advantages of relationships and the disadvantages of being alone. He talks about in the context, even when they were traveling on the roads in Jerusalem, how dangerous it was to be by yourself. It's a bad place to be by yourself. It's a very bad place to be by yourself, especially when all the resources you need is in that next person or that next um, group of people. Let's look at some things here. One guy wrote this down. I love it. Got it from um, uh, Matthew Henry. He wrote this down. He said, a man without a companion is like a left hand without the right. A man without a companion is like a left hand without the right. Think about that. I mean, you're only running at half speed. It says, if one falls, no one's there to help him out. Someone falls into a mistake, sin, or trouble, there's no one to help you if you're by yourself, if you fall into those areas of life. You know, in relationships, one of the hardest things for us to be is vulnerable with one another. That's why it's so tough. When guys come together, we talk about nothing until someone brings up the one subject we don't want to talk about. Then if you do it one meeting, they won't come back the next meeting, depending on how free they are. But we know we have to talk and be vulnerable with one another. I love when people say, and I get to say this, I don't know. I'm having trouble. Can you pray for me for this issue? Versus walking around with it and trying to figure it out. And kill yourself trying to figure it out. Know what does that? Write this word down. Pride. Don't need anybody. I'm smart enough. That's great because you'll be under the lines then. Eating up. Smart people die quick. Covered people live for a long time. It's one of the hardest things in Western America about us coming together as brothers and sisters. And being real with one another. Because when we come together, we don't even know, what to, as believers, sometimes we don't even know what to talk about. I got a friend of mine. I went through something. I was going to, before I even came here, I was going to quit ministry and be done with it. And I told him, I tell you what, I'm going to go to your church and me and you can do great things together and we don't have to worry about it. And that was Dr. Kelvin Kelly. And I was hurt and I was mad. 
And I was saying, it's over. I'll hang with you. This reconciliation thing is stupid. And he told me, look right in my face and said something. He said, look, man, that is your anointing that God's put on you. And I'm not having you come to my church. Because you're going to put, you're going to get ahead and defer your purpose. And I don't want to be responsible for that. I said, I thought you were my friend. He says, no, you need to go back to where you left, repent, and notice that God is working something out of you. And it wasn't three weeks later, I sat in that chair over there. I sat in Mark's chair. <laughs> Recognized Mark that we played with Promise Keepers back in 97. And sat there and said, Okay, Lord, this is it. Give me a sign, because I'm about, I'm going to go anyway. I'll, creep, I'll start my own church. They can call me Reverend on the north side. And Booker came over and sat down with me and talked to me. I said, Lord, what a sign. Ain't too many brothers in here. This guy shows up. <laughs> he came and talked to me. I said, okay, one more time, because that's it. That's just one, okay, one more time because I'm done. Then Jack, come on over to my life group. Say, all right, I'm it. But you know, I had a friend that was a friend. But I wasn't in a relationship with him since 97. He couldn't tell me the truth. And we didn't talk about theological issues. We talked about who was hurt. He let me vent. Then he told me the truth. You know, that's the relationships I wish we, I want all of us to have. Because then when we have that relationship outside of this place, because they think when they see us, they'll see the real Jesus. They won't see us bickering. They won't see us going in three different directions. They'll see us going one place. And we can be honest with one another because we know we love one another. And he had to love me like Jesus had to lo- love the rich young ruler. He loved him. So everything, you have everything, but you're missing this. And I'm telling you, there was safety in that, but that was my path to what God had for me. If I was by myself, I would have started church. I would have found me a building, pay a couple hundred dollars a month for it, and preach something, and been like everyone else with no covering. And, hate, and I have, my church is the ones for the people who hate church. So I have all the offended people at my church. Because we're all offended. But we're not going to be like the church. We're going to be offended together. See, alone, those things came up when I'm alone. But I took it to a friend. Make sense? The benefits of relationships, support, encouragement, and faith. Support, encouragement, and faith. Like you walked in here today, something, I need, I need a word. I need to hear a word. And you heard it. Not from me. You heard it from one of your sisters and brothers who hear God too. You need to be with some people who hear God, not with people who are tearing God down and tearing things down. You don't need no one pulling you down. You need someone to pull you up. If you got some naysayers going around talking about, I hate this, I hate, get out of that relationship. It's killing you. 
I have a gift of the exhortation that says one thing. If I get discouraged, I'm in trouble. And I can't be around to me. It kills me because I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm about to head into the. And if I'm empathetic, oh, my gosh, I'm wearing everyone else's issues. We need to be around some positive folks that speak faith, that speak life, that will speak the truth and tell you, stop that. Cut it out, man. Come off that. Just tell you straight up, man. You're crazy. <laughs> I hear all the you're crazy. I know. Why are you thinking that way? I don't know, man. I'm just <laughs> it's okay, it's my buds. Three types of relationships. We might get through all three of them, I don't know. It's three types of relationships you see in the Bible. Paul relationship, a Barnabas relationship, Timothy relationship. Now Paul relationship is those who are leaders. Now, you'll see everything I put down is plural. That don't mean you go to one person, give me everything. No. Leaders who can speak into your life. I got leaders in the community who speaks into my life. All those things who are you are accountable to. And you can tell them anything. You can yell at them and be upset with them. And all they will tell you is, like one of mine tells me all the time. So what are you going to do to make it better? That's <sighs> why I'm here. I want you to do it. He said, do you have three solutions? Like one guy told me, you have three solutions or you got all these problems? What are you going to do to make it better? This is my life. And you got to be with a leader that hears God. And that can be my son, it can be an elder, that can be children's church, all that. All these people who are ministering, all those folks behind that wall here, God, everybody. That you declare that in a ministry that you want to be part of, just, I mean, really, just get with them. Because you, you need that pulling up. You need to be pulling some people up. You need to be pulled up. We only do better. We only do what we have to do. We never do what we're supposed to do. I know it's that. I'm, I can be lazy. I can be anything there some days. If I don't get on a call, call and say, hey, man, did you take care of the other thing I told you? You know, oh, yeah, okay. Pulling me up. Now, it's intimidating because most of the people you hang out with know more than you do. And I love it. Because I want someone to see what I don't see. A whole lot better than I see. You know, you put your life, they put your life on their microphone, but they're making you better. Learn that from John Maxwell. He makes you better. He subjected his stuff, his writings and all that to other people. Got to do that, too. If I want to be the best leader I can be, I got to be under some better leaders who can teach me to be better. I got to do that. Otherwise, we're not going anywhere. And another one, the Barnabas. The Barnabas is one that tell you the truth. One of those guys. Guys. Ladies, who can tell you, friends, you're accountable to. And let me tell you about these relationships. I changed the word genuine relationships because of the culture we're in. But really, the lesson says covenant relationships because I recognize a lot of people don't like to keep covenant. The minute someone tells them they don't like, something they don't like, I'm out of here. I don't trust you. I'm gone. They go from, I love you. Let's do this thing. 
and you say, well, no, let's do it this way. I knew it. And we break off. It's not like Ruth, when the, in the story of Ruth. She said, I'm not going anywhere. Then you leave and you come back worse because you left where God put you. It hurts getting beat up. I've been there. You leave where you're supposed to be. It hurts because then the lines are all over you, choking you out. Why? Because God will put you with somebody or Barnabas who is completely, hello, look at me, opposite of you. Most of the time, they're opposite of you. They'll rub you the right way. He loves that. He laughs from heaven. I got you. Because everyone starts thinking like you, we're all in trouble. <laughs> you know, right? It's a counterbalance. And then we get, we get to laugh about it. Say, man, how do all these guys from all these different places come together so well? It has to be God. It's a cross. So, guys, man, you ask them, they're going to tell you the truth. Now, if I have someone that's going to keep, yeah, go ahead, Rich, go ahead. I had friends. I grew up with friends like that. When I wrecked my car, okay, hey, man, you got it. And I wrecked the car. And the minute they wrecked the car, the cops came. They were gone. They told me something I wanted to hear, but that wasn't necessarily what I was supposed to do. Think about it. How about you? Then you have the Timothys. Are you mentoring anybody? I hear a lot of people complain about the next generation, but I don't see anybody making a difference in it. They don't know. When's the last time we mentored anybody? How'd you get here? Someone mentored you? Think about it. I'm going to leave you with this question. With, um, we got challenged with this years ago. One of my leaders, he said this. See, when you go to a funeral, and you probably heard this before. I did this on Sunday morning. And if you die, there's six places for a pallbearer to carry your casket. And the question was this. And you had those six that usually carry have very much influence in your life, and they can have, if you're gone, they can handle the affairs of what you left behind. Question one is this. Do you have six people? That if you went now, who will carry your casket and can carry on your affairs when you're gone? Have you raised anybody up? Have you any Barnabas has been sharpening one another so if you step out, they can step in? Do you have any Timothys you drew up? See, Christianity, guys, it's not about us. You'll hear this on Sunday. I can't change my ancestors. But I can change my descendants. And most of us live in the ancestor world. That's what the type of relationships we need to go for. And I'm not talking about sick. Christ is in the center of all of it. We can do Sunday church. We can do life groups. We, and that's why we have life groups to start into. Everyone kicks back about life groups. But you know what that, that issue is? The most tension is, is in those life groups. Not on Sunday morning. Not in those classes. It's doing life together, hanging out. They find out that you're crazy. That's fine. We're all crazy. I love guys. Guys be guys. If you eat a meal and you pass gas, you're a guy. What? We're guys. 
We'll say sorry. Okay. <laughs> what? You got to be real. I'm not t- I don't want to know about your theological differences. I want to know your heart. We can hide around education all day. I got plenty of that. Still taking classes. Getting yelled at by my instructor. Who is mentoring me? I hate red. I mean, they heard them getting away the red things, right? But I got a lot of red. Why don't we stand? That's the question, guys. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have those things. So we can go into 3D relationships. I can't make you do it. You're going to have to want to be aggressive with it. Two types of people I meet, the ones that say this place stinks and the ones who's the most exciting. The ones who say this place stinks wait for relationships to come to them. The one who says it's great are the ones who go out to it, who are aggressive. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you right now. We thank you, Lord.